Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 308. Today is February 24th, 2020. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, the markets were devastating today. Wanted to just do a really quick update because I know a lot of you have questions and I want to give you some feedback on what I think is happening with what I'm calling the second act of the Wuhan coronavirus, which is now being called COVID-19. This is the second act or the second round of panic due to the spreading of the COVID-19 virus. That's what I want to talk about today. And here's the bottom line. And I know this is going to disappoint a lot of people that are looking for a reason to be miserable. But I remain optimistic. I don't think this is a panic. In fact, I think it's an opportunity to position my portfolio to profit. Now, the profit's not going to come next week or maybe not even next month. This is a strategy that looks at short-term panic and volatility in the market and assesses that and says, you know, long-term, I think the probability is that the market will go up, the overall economy will remain strong, and because of that, you come in and buy the dip. Now, if I thought there was a recession on the horizon, or if I thought that long-term that corporate profits and stock prices were going to be affected by this, then absolutely, I would bail. But I don't think that's the case. That's what I want to talk to you briefly about today. Incidentally, I did view today as a buying opportunity. If you subscribe to the free alert notifications over at my firm's website, investablewealth.com, then you would have gotten notified that I did view this as a buying opportunity, and I went in and I added to my previous position a long-term position of SCHB. That's a Charles Schwab ETF that invests in the broad United States market. So why did I do that? Why do I see this as a, yet again another buying opportunity? Well, hey, let's hold on one second. Let's back up. You know, about three weeks ago, when we went through the first round of the coronavirus panic, I went in, I bought that dip as well. This was around uh, the week ending January 31st, and I bought eight positions. And you know, of those eight positions, just a week or so ago, on average, those eight positions were up, oh, I don't know, seven, eight percent. Now, some had done a lot better than others. In fact, NVIDIA was up over 20% just in those couple weeks. I've held on to those eight positions, and because of the panic selling over the last few days, and in particular Friday selling and today's selling, those positions are pretty much back down to neutral. I think overall they might be up uh, just slightly. That NVIDIA position in particular is still up you know, pretty significantly. I think something in the range of 13%. And so, yes, if I had a perfect crystal ball and if I was trying to trade every move in the market, I would have tried to sell out of these positions a week or so ago, take my profits and wait for today's collapse. But you know what? I can't predict the future and I don't think anybody else can either. And so that's why I broadly look at probabilities and I buy into quality positions that I think are going to be worth more in the future than they are today. I'm holding those positions just like the numerous other positions in my portfolio because I think overall they still have room to move up. Yes, there's a setback because of the COVID-19 virus. But overall, not only in the United States, but even starting around the globe, we're seeing trade pickup, we're seeing higher rates of employment, we're seeing very low rates of inflation, we're seeing very moderate energy prices, and we're seeing extremely, in fact, historically low costs of capital. 
Those things that I just mentioned, that all results in increased consumer spending and higher corporate profits. Now, will COVID-19 slow things down? Will it be a speed bump? Well, possibly so, but I don't see this as a 1918 pandemic. Let's just real quickly look at some top-line numbers. And I'm not downplaying the tragedy of human death and suffering, but I am taking a realistic look at this virus and not all the hype and hyperbole you hear battered around in the media. Listen, it's a tragedy that as of today, just a little bit under 2,600 people have died in China. That is a real tragedy. I'm sorry for those people's pain and suffering. But from a pragmatic, realistic standpoint, the population of China is over 1.3 billion people. A loss of 2,600 people does not collapse the economy. And if you dig into the numbers and you really look at them, you'll see that now that more is understood about this virus, the morbidity rate is about 1%. And yes, people are dying and people are sick. And so consequently, people can't go to work or people are being quarantined and they can't leave their house. And so they can't go to work and perform their jobs. That means that there's going to be possible supply chain issues with things being manufactured and coming out of China. Um, that also, as this virus spreads around the globe, we may see similar things happen in other places. And so there could be a slowdown in global trade caused both by a disruption in supply as well as a disruption of consumption. Because if people are sick or if people have passed away, they obviously can't consume. But remember these numbers, 2,600 deaths out of a population of 1.3 billion people. Got to remember that we live in a world that's full of uncertainties. And unpleasant things happen all the time. In the United States, every day, about 100 people die in car accidents. Now, most of you are probably listening to this podcast while you're driving to or from work. So why are you not afraid of dying in an automobile accident, but many of you are petrified of a viral pandemic? The reason is because the media hypes things like viruses and pandemics, but they downplay the mundane day-to-day -day deaths that occur in things like automobile accidents. Listen, you have to ask yourself, these 2,600 people that have died in China, how many of them would have died anyways because of seasonal effects of influenza, pneumonia, or old age? Look at the demographics of the people that are dying from this virus. Broadly speaking, the death toll is about what you would see from other infectious diseases such as you know, influenza and pneumonia. It primarily affects older people. There are more people dying over the age of 60 from the COVID-19 virus than people that are dying under 30. Like any disease, it's going to have the most impact on people with the weakest and the most compromised immune systems. That generally tends to be older people. But thus far, and you have to remember that this virus just didn't show up last week. It's been around since at least December. Of course, it couldn't be contained in China. And no one should be surprised that infection rates and death rates are increasing in places like Europe or the Middle East or in America, for that matter. Why wouldn't that happen? And so if something like this would be anticipated, well, why would the market be spooked and why would the S&P 500 drop over 3%? Well, it's because things get hyped up in the media. Oh, you know, there's six deaths in Italy. And again, I don't want to downplay the human tragedy, but people die in Italy every day. It doesn't make the worldwide news. It did today, though, 
That scares people. It sets off algorithms. People panic and they start to sell. And then people that have stop loss orders in, that causes further selling. And it's just a cascade effect. Whenever these flash crash events take place, I look at them as buying opportunities, not times to sell. Consider this. The VIX today got right up around 26. Now, that's the highest it's been over the last two years, with two exceptions. Back in February of 2018 and December of 2018, the VIX did spike up to around 30. But, you know, both of those events when the VIX spiked, that was precisely when the markets had bottomed out. I put a chart up in today's blog notification. You can check that out if you're interested. Now, like I say, the VIX got to 26. Will it go up to 30 tomorrow or later in the week? I have no idea. I'm not trying to pick the top or the bottom with surgical precision. We're dealing with probabilities. And the way I look at it is, with the VIX spiking up to around 26, if the bottom isn't in yet, it likely will be shortly. I say that because despite the rapid drop in the S&P 500 today and over the last few trading sessions, the S&P 500 is still hovering right around its 15-week moving average. That's a level of support. Generally, when you have a pullback like this, you either get a V bounce off of that level or a consolidation period there for a few weeks before it continues to change direction. Something else to consider. Even though we did see the S&P 500 drop over 3.3% today, what was interesting to me was the things that either didn't drop or were less volatile. For example, you know, keeping in mind that this virus has its epicenter in China, a lot of the Chinese markets are trading fairly well. If you look at the Chinese technology sector, which is CQQQ, that's a ETF that I have in my portfolio, that index was only down 2.1%. That's significantly less volatile than the drop we saw in the U.S. markets. Now, why would that be? I mean, if the world were truly falling apart and the epicenter of all the gloom and doom and destruction were in China, why would Chinese technology stocks be outperforming United States stocks on a relative basis? You can take this even one step further, and this is with another position that I hold, and it's Yum Brands China. It's ticker symbol YUMC. Yum Brands is, you know, KFC, Pizza Hut, and these are specific restaurant locations that are located in China. If people are dying and people are sick and they're sequestered and quarantined at home and they can't get out and no one's shopping or no one's going to restaurants, then you would think that if anything was going to do bad, it would be something like KFC or Pizza Hut or some type of other restaurant in China. Well, again, looking at Yum Brands China, yes, they were down today, a little bit more than U.S. markets but they weren't down nearly as much or as volatile as you would assume they would be if, in fact, no one was going out to eat in China. So the way I look at this virus, even if it is a pandemic, it isn't going to last forever. It'll burn itself out in a week, in a month, in six months. At some point, and most likely when we get into warmer weather in the Northern Hemisphere, and people start getting rid of their colds and their sniffles, and they get healthier, the economy will pick up. And people will become healthier and they'll return to work and they'll continue consuming. And in fact, it could be even a better story than that. It could be a thinning of the herd. And honestly, I don't even want to bring this topic up because I know I'm going to get hate mail. And people are going to tell me how cruel and how insensitive 
and what a mean, greedy capitalist I am. But I think this is true, and I think it has to be said. Before we get into the human aspect of it, just remember what happens when some big act of Mother Nature occurs. You know, there's a big tornado or volcano or a flood. And initially, the economy's disrupted. But then what happens? People start to rebuild. Governments come in, flood the economy with easy capital to help people get back on their feet and to spur the economy. And then there's an infrastructure rebuilding program. And, and in virtually no time at all, people's lives go on as if nothing ever happened. And the economy is just as strong as it was before. And in some cases, it's even better because oftentimes when a natural disaster comes in and it wipes out old, worn-out infrastructure, well, that old grid system gets replaced with new and more efficient infrastructure. I mean, think of the economies of Germany and Japan after World War II. The countries and their industrial base were obliterated. And yet, because of things like the Marshall Plan and a general rebuilding of those economies... Those two countries were able to get back up on their feet, and with better and newer infrastructure, their industrial manufacturing base became world-class and propelled them into the top economies of the world. So let's look at the coronavirus, and specifically, let's look at China, but this can be extrapolated to what's going to happen, I think, all around the world as this epidemic or pandemic or just virus, whatever you want to call it, as it eventually passes through the system and burns itself out. What's going to happen? Well, people are going to get sick and a few people are going to die. Most of the people that lose their life will be older people. And I don't take any great pleasure in this because I'm about to be 59 years old. So I'm in that cohort of older people. But just because I'm older and more susceptible to disease and death doesn't mean that I don't look at things from a realistic, pragmatic standpoint. Let's take exactly that viewpoint of what's going on and what's likely to happen in China. Okay, let's say that you have a family and they're struck with a virus. And they get sick and they miss work. They get quarantined. And obviously, both their earning potential and their consumption are going to decrease. Now, that may last for a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. But at some point, the sickness will run its course and most of the family members will get better. Now, more than likely, those that get sick and die are going to be the older people. So it's likely that, you know, grandma is going to pass away and grandma's going to be missed and everyone's going to be sad. But down the road, once people stop their grieving, what's going to be the result of grandma going away? Is it going to have a positive or a negative impact on that family? It's actually going to have a positive impact from an economic standpoint because grandma no longer needs to be taken care of. The cash flow of that family no longer needs to go to feed and support grandma and take care of her in her old age because grandma has gone on to her reward. That means that the family now has more money to spend on the overall remaining members of the family. And not only do they have more cash flow that they're going to have to spend on themselves, but what's happened over these past days and weeks and months that they've been going through this sickness and they've been grieving? Well, they have pent up demand. Well, it doesn't matter if you're Chinese or American or Russian because it's a matter of human nature. And whenever you have new resources of capital to spend, well, you go out and spend it. That is purely a human nature response. And so I see any slowdown in the economy that's caused by this virus as being temporary and transitory 
and demand will come back with a vengeance once it's all run its course. So what companies are going to get hurt and which companies are going to prosper? What we're talking about here is delayed demand. So then in the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter if your sales and your profits are deferred by a month or a quarter or maybe even a year because things will work out. The consumer demand for iPhones and cars and athletic shoes and other types of consumer products that have a long shelf life. They may be deferred, but they're not going to be destroyed. So a company whose product would spoil, like a vegetable or a fruit, well, they're going to have losses because, you know, their lettuce is going to shrivel up. It's going to wither. You know, if no one buys it during this viral outbreak, then those sales are lost forever. But if it's a more durable product, then over the long run, it's not going to matter. And that's why I think that regardless of what you're hearing in the media, the market volatility is probably a better buying opportunity than it is a selling opportunity. And I'll sum this up just by one other indicator. Go out and look at the price of copper. It's holding right around $2.58, $2.59 a pound. I think that if global supply chains were really going to fall apart, then the price of copper would be one of the first things to collapse. But it's not. It's holding up. Well, hey, am I right or wrong? I don't know. I'm just offering my opinion. I'm telling you what I do. You're an adult. You need to make your own choices. But please do come back and listen to future episodes of the Wellsteading Podcast, and let's see how it all works out. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.